0: If your restaurant wants to put the best on the table, look for food with the New York State Certified Seal. It's food that is grown right, right here. Learn more at certified.ny.gov.
1: Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for
0: thousands more.
1: Listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network. Happy Sunday. It's a beautiful day in Brooklyn today. It's a really nice fall day. I'm joined here in the station by Karen Stabiner, and she is a veteran uh, journalist and author of narrative nonfiction. Um, she teaches at the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. She's written um, for, about food for quite a while. And her latest book is called Generation Chef, Risking It All for a New American Dream. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for inviting me. So there seems to be like a lot of you know, portraits and in-depth sort of exposés about the Guts for Glory world of startups these days, right? So mm-hmm. tech you know, entrepreneurs risking it all. And I, I thought that that was a really fitting time to, to focus on another type of personality, if you will, and uh, passion that is extremely intense. So your book chronicles the, um, a chef. Uh, named Jonah. What's his last name again? Miller. Miller. Thank you. <laughs> uh-huh. I should know that. And uh, yes, yes, you follow him throughout, um, you know, the first, um, uh, you know, construction of the new restaurant and then to opening day and then f- throughout the first year. And this is a very crucial time because he's been, you know, wanting to be a chef for since he was 13. Mm-hmm. This is a riveting story. Well, I can now put it down. <laughs> uh, it, and it really is a wonderful portrait of Of uh, I guess the disposition and the really the passion and the crazy sort of almost kamikaze risk (laughs) that people take to open a restaurant Well, it's
2: much harder now, or no, it's hard in a different way I mean in my mind when I was working on this, I kept saying, okay, this is Kitchen Confidential Mm
0: -hmm. 2.0
2: But the truth is, and the reason that I called it Generation Chef, is that it really is a complete shift I mean, when Jonah was 13 and he thought, okay, I'm going to cook when I grow up, think about it for a second. There was no social media. There was no competition television. So he was just a tiny bit ahead of that curve. But that curve has changed who becomes a chef, how many people want to become a chef, how they do it, what kind of a hurry they're in. Even the review process gets speeded up because you have all of these websites that are jumping in right. before the legacy media
1: do. Right. And it's not just become a chef. It's, he is specifically, he knows what he needs to do to survive, which is not just open one restaurant. It's to become a brand and have a, a sort of multimedia empire.
2: Right. And to have is, a, a business plan going in. I mean, mm-hmm. when, I was, when I had the idea, I thought, okay, now I need a character. Mm-hmm. And I started asking people in the New York restaurant community who I knew, you know, who should I talk to? Who should I talk to? And Jonah's name kept coming up and one of the things that people would say was, he has this amazing business plan. You no. know, it's not he really knows what to do with pasta, right, although right. <laughs> although he did. It was he right. has this really amazing business plan because the stampede And the notion that you can have that empire and Mm -hmm. you can be a celebrity means you have to be that much smarter or you're not going to make it, even if you're as good as you would have been 15 years ago.
1: Or just to have this like humble sort of uh, small independent restaurant. And I think that's bizarre. I think this really shatters the myth of sort of like the Jiro dreams of sushi, really cerebral chef who's just all into this cooking And that's his life because you have to do so many things to survive. It's so hard to do that. I mean,
2: Jonah has said, I actually, I reported like a little fly on the wall in the kitchen for over a year. But then I kept checking back for the second year. Mm -hmm. And two years in, he said to me, the most unexpected and difficult thing for him had nothing to do with food on the plate. Right. It was Managing the staff, making right. sure everybody oh was gosh. happy, making sure, you know, that a really talented line cook felt like someday he might get to be a sous chef and didn't have to start looking for another job. Wow. So much to juggle.
1: So, so much to do. Yeah. Is this dramatically different than in years past? Have you heard from, you know, I don't know, I guess the, his mentors, that generation, uh, the previous generation of um, uh, restaurant owners, if this is terribly different from what they had to go through? It is terribly different for for a
2: couple of reasons. I mean, there are other chefs in the book who are there to present other aspects of the picture. Mm -hmm. And David Waltuck from the legendary Chanterelle, who was Mm -hmm. Jonah's mentor, truly went in and out of business with a restaurant during the time that I was reporting on Jonah, Mm -hmm. in part because we as restaurant goers are more fickle. Mm-hmm. We want to go to the next new place, right. and we want to go tonight. We're not
1: going to go to our neighborhood place. Right. Yeah. There's
2: no, there is nothing attached anymore to being a regular, which is kind of too bad. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is kitchen staff is in a hurry. I mean, the advantage to standing in the kitchen and watching everything is that I could show it, not tell it. But mm-hmm. at one point, Jonah was looking for a line cook, and I stood there as people came in for trails. Mm-hmm. They came in late. They came in without their knives. He would watch them dice an onion, and I would know that it was over before they got the onion finished. Yeah. They didn't know that. Right. Um, So I think—and the labor shortage has been written about. It's hard to find really good people, and I think it's probably harder than it was when this wasn't a celebrity career.
1: Wow. You know. That's really
2: interesting, too. Yeah. The other thing I will say, the frustration is— he started out as a line cook. Yeah. I mean, he worked in kitchens doing prep for a couple of years, and then he moved up, and then he was a line cook, and then he was a sous chef. And it, he was even in something of a hurry. But he said now he gets people coming out of culinary school who apply for jobs as sous chefs. Mm-hmm. They don't even want to do the time being a line cook. So that's sort of the, the dark flip side of, of the whole celebrity Everybody
1: thing. Everybody is so, you know, looking to get to the top now, now, now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I think that, you know, this story, you know, it strikes, it touches on, and it really captures um, the reality of today's restaurant industry so well. However, this story really, uh, I love the the personal, you know, aspects of this story, because I think a lot of people can relate to what it takes to start any business. Absolutely. I mean, it, it is
2: specifically about restaurants, because that's mm-hmm. what I love, but I have been told by people in other fields, oh, yeah, that's just what a startup feels mm -hmm. like no matter where you are.
1: Right. Um, Karen, if you don't mind, I thought I would read a little passage from the beginning. No, I
2: can't wait to hear this, you know, in somebody else's voice. Go for it.
1: Okay, so we're just meeting Jonah, really, for the first time. Uh, Okay, so his professional kitchen philosophy boiled down to keep your head down and do your work. And he wasn't a screamer like some chefs, so the stress of opening his first restaurant turned inward instead and eroded his appetite. He referred to the space that way as his first restaurant because there was no chance he'd stop at one. At six foot two, he developed a slouch in deference to kitchen sofits that might want to knock him in the forehead or coworkers who preferred eye contact to staring at his chin. He was, he said, too tall to be a chef, which made him laugh because he had never really wanted to be anything else.
2: So. It's really true, I mean, you can see it in him, and the other thing about the book is I think you get a real sense of how hard this is it's, yeah, you know, by the end of the week, the first week, he was sort of you know stretching out his shoulders Gosh. and doing lunges against the the kitchen counter physically and
1: f- hard yeah for a minute,
2: I thought there was something wrong with him. I said, jonah, did you you know did you pull a muscle or something and he right. said. I look like this every week at the end of a six day shift, and after I have a massage tomorrow, I'll be able to move again. Right. You know, we we forget that this is not about putting out, just about putting out an exquisite plate of food and having people go ooh and ah. This is chopping onions, chopping Mm -hmm. garlic, chopping carrots, placing orders, figuring out what to do when the order doesn't come in right, or if you're walking down the aisle at the farmer's market, There's something you didn't expect, Mm -hmm. you know, and you think, oh, wait a minute, I can throw out tonight's special and grab those beautiful peppers Mm -hmm. and do something else. So you have to
1: be both entirely organized Mm -hmm. and And, creatively inspired. and, And physically just, you know, an acrobat almost. Oh, yeah. Dancing around the line. around your colleagues and so forth, and it really takes a toll on the physical health. I thought it was interesting, the the irony that Jonah is not much of an eater. He he doesn't have an appetite anymore.
2: I think he's a taster. Mm -hmm. I think that that his palate is his tool, and he has a little signature uh, pincho, a little one-bite thing that you can order called Gilda, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: which is really has a bite to it. It's an anchovy with an olive and a little pickled pepper. That sounds good. It's incredibly delicious. I sort of start to salivate just thinking about it. But he can describe to you like a scientist sort of Uh, what happens when it hits your tongue and then what happens as it goes down the back of your throat. He's kind of
1: hyper aware of all that. Wow. Yeah. Gosh. Okay, Karen, would you call this book a cautionary tale? For folks who no. are oh, how's it, it? going to
2: stop anybody who really yeah. wants to do it? I mean, I always tell people who want to be writers if you can think about of anything else when you wake up in the morning that w- would make you happy, you should do it because it's not easy. but if it's the only thing that makes you happy, then you have no choice and I realized down the line that that was something Jonah and I had in common. He has to cook mm-hmm. and Right now, that means he has to have a place where he can define the menu. Mm-hmm. You know, he's done a beautiful job of cooking other people's food. He's very proud of the tripe he used to make at Maialino,
0: mm. uh
2: because yeah. it was his execution, was,
1: mm-hmm. but it wasn't his recipe. Oh. So this is what he had to do. <laughs> you know, it was his calling. So many. So, Karen, you haven't worked in restaurants, but it sounds like you have this depth of knowledge. <laughs> it, reading through the book, it just, it really, it smacked of someone who has intense, I mean, you must have followed him for, for how long? It just Over a year. Over, over a, year, a year, but a lot. Well, two things. I mean, First of all, I didn't work
2: in restaurants, but I grew mm. up in restaurants okay. because my family had a little restaurant supply company in Chicago. Gotcha. So okay. when you're growing up in the suburbs, and everybody's just like you, and it's kind of boring. The most exciting mm-hmm. thing is to go on calls with your dad, oh. which is like visiting Italy and oh. Russia and China and all these places you've never been to where you're meeting all these fascinating, passionate, obsessed people.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I had a sense of how the back of a restaurant worked because that was what I used to do on the weekends when I was lucky. Um, and I've written two cookbooks, yes. one with a restaurant in California and one about staff meal at Danny Meyer's restaurants. Yes. And that was really what got me thinking about this the the staff meal book because it was another jolt of I really like this family, mm-hmm. this work family. Right. I really like being in this space even when it's crazy. I like who they are. I like that they push themselves so hard. I like that they have such great standards and ambitions for
0: mm-hmm. themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. So While I have not ever worked the line, I feel like I had the information. Yeah, you
1: definitely did. It definitely, okay, that helps because I was like, how in the world did you capture this so? Well, the other answer to that,
2: though, is that I stood there all the time. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) being a fly on the wall is a really kind of old school way to do nonfiction because you can't have a tape recorder in the kitchen, it's too noisy, and you can't have a video camera in the kitchen. It's just you and your notebook and your pen, and mm-hmm. I would stand. There was a little tiny space in the kitchen that was mine. Um, it's now taken up by metro shelving in my absence, uh, and mm-hmm. I would just stand there and write like a madwoman. Mm-hmm. And then I would come back the next day and do actual interviews to say, "Gee, how did you feel when they sent back the oh, lamb?" Wow. How did you feel when you got into an Uh, argument with your partner so that I could fill all of that stuff in? Yes, so you
1: observed and then later filled in the gaps.
2: But it's very inefficient.
1: But, but like, (laughs) this insight, just to, you know, explain what I I mean, but, you know, you're terribly, like, you know, cutting insight into this world is really fabulous. And you write in one section, um, in this kitchen, in his kitchen, Jonas, that is, a great cook was the one who got the work done without taking up a lot of psychic space. Mm-hmm. And I can see a lot of, you know, chefs, um, you know, sort of nodding at that one. Because oh, it's sure. all about the it's all about the task at hand. You know, personalities are really out of the way. We see a lot of media of, you know, you know, chefs and cooks clashing all the time, shouting, you know, Gordon Ramsay shows and so forth. But, you know, this is really true. So. And I, I think
2: if you're going to be that brand, hmm You can afford to do that. Uh, But I think one of the big shifts of Jonah's generation, too, because it's so competitive, Mm -hmm. you can't afford to act out a whole lot because the moment at which your kitchen becomes a place people don't want to work, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. One of the things that Jonah somehow managed to do was to get people to be loyal to him and to put in that extra effort for him. And it's not to say that they never got angry at each other, but I do think that this younger generation, to cut through all the noise and establish yes. themselves, maybe is a little bit more serious about having a culture where you're going to want to go to work right, and be happy to go to work.
1: Wow. Well, it's a fascinating look into this world. Um, we're going to cut to a quick little commercial interlude, but I want to hear more about what's going on with Jonah now after the break.
0: chefs and restaurants are proud of the food they put on the table. And serving produce that comes from local, environmentally responsible farms is a way to leave an even better taste in everyone's mouth. So when shopping for your ingredients, look for the New York State Grown and Certified Seal. It lets you know which food is grown right, right here in New York State, certifying the food that comes from local farms that meet a higher standard. You'll not only be serving local food, you'll be supporting local farmers. Learn more about the New York State Grown and Certified program at certified.ny.gov.
1: All right, we're back chatting more with Karen Stabiner, whose latest book is called Generation Chef. Now no Karen uh, Jonah didn't go through you know this wasn 't the worst that could happen in the first year or so, and i don 't want to give away too much, but uh, there were some there were some challenges let's use, definitely some bumps yeah let 's
2: use the word roller coaster, and okay. that way we won 't give away too much, but we, we will suggest that it was not clear sailing um, right. I think the, the worst thing that happened to Jonah oddly was that he had an amazing first week, okay, just a crazy so first that's week the he worst made. Thing. He made more money in the first week than he had projected for the oh, first wow. month. Whoa. Yeah. The problem was he got spoiled immediately. He thought, well, mm-hmm. if it's going to be this easy, then gee, we've we, we done it, you know? And from there, took a nosedive into the summer. I mean, Ooh. just, I would go over there and and think that I had taken as much of a risk as he did because yeah. while he was worried about whether his restaurant was going to stay open I was worried about whether I was writing a book about a restaurant that was going to stay open. (laughs) So we were sort of partners in despair uh, in August. And they decided, rightly, that it all hinged on whether or not Pete Wells would show up. Okay. And Jonah had tried a bunch of different things Mm -hmm. to sort of lure Wells. You know, we're going to have a great brunch. We're going to do this tasting menu del dia. We're going to do all these different things. And none of them worked. So it's now Labor hmm. Day, and there's no Pete That's Wells. Maddening. And okay. I walked out of Columbia one day, mm-hmm. so I'm way up on the Upper West Side. Right. I'm a hundred blocks north, hundred and ten blocks north uh-huh. of Huertas. And I got a text from somebody there, and all it said was, "PW is here." <laughs> right. And so, that was
1: from Jonah, or no? I don't, even, I don't even I don't even remember bu- who buster? it was from. <laughs>
2: somebody thought okay. to tell me. All right. And I hopped in a cab and said to the cab driver, get me to the East Village as fast <laughs> as you can without killing us, you know. <laughs> and That's sat a at moment. a table, because mm-hmm. I didn't want to stand in the kitchen, because Wells could see me.
1: Yeah, and you'd be like, what's going co-
2: So I about? sat at a table, pretended to order mm-hmm. some, I mean, I ordered some food, you know, yeah. and I had my notebook out, and I just watched him. Oh, and wow. I watched Jonah in the kitchen. I mean, I watched everybody. I was like a little movie camera.
1: Goodness. You know, thank yeah. goodness you were there for that.
2: oh, I was there for every one of his visits okay. and i I interviewed him afterward. He was quite amused <laughs> that they had the inte- you know the intelligence network to get me there for every
1: one of his I visits. But, That's amazing, yeah, so do you want to share us a little bit about what you wrote? sure I'm not? just going to share how completely. How can I say this?
2: There's nothing you can do to get this guy in the door, and sometimes you get him in the door only because he couldn't get in another door. Okay. So here it is. All right. Pete Wells was unhappy. The New York Times restaurant critic arrived at an East Village restaurant he planned to review, only to be told that there was a long wait for a table for four, (laughs) maybe two hours. They could take his name, which would not be his real name, and let him know. It wasn't as though any other night would be any better, so the question for Wells, his wife, and two friends was how best to while away the time. They were already hungry because he hadn't factored in a two-hour delay. One of his companions had heard about Huertas, and it was nearby. They could bide their time over drinks and pinchos there, and that way he'd know whether it warranted another look. Wells kept a long list of places that might merit a review, although inclusion on the list was no guarantee he couldn't possibly get to everyone that piqued his interest. It was just a best-intention list, one that he pruned on a regular basis, deleting places that had languished for too long. Restaurants could sit for more than a year, elbowed out of the way by a more compelling prospect, before they were excised. Huertas was a relatively new entry, and its Union Square hospitality group lineage made it a bit more intriguing than another small independent restaurant might be, but he hadn't gotten to it yet. Might as well. None of Jonah's strategies to attract the critics' attention had made a difference. Not the five-course menu del dia or brunch, not the house-made vermouth or the homemade almond ice cream or even the slow-poached egg. What was about to get Pete Wells in the door was somebody else's no-reservation policy, which Jonah had rejected for the very reason he now stood to benefit from it because it left people stranded with nothing to do for hours at a time.
1: Wow. Yeah. I'm, like, nervous already.
2: (laughs) My editor said she teared up. (laughs) Because that then goes on. Uh I mean, that's just the first visit of what turned out to be three. So they were holding their breath for weeks. Of course. You know. And, in fact, the day they got the review, and I won't give that away Mm -hmm. either, I really thought I was going to have to call 911. (laughs) I mean, you've never seen... 10 people so nervous for so mm-hmm. long in your life because they knew it was going to post online. Yeah. They just didn't know what time.
1: Oh my gosh.
2: Yeah, yeah, scary stuff.
1: Wow. <laughs> so how is uh, how is Huertas nowadays?
2: Huertas is fine nowadays. They ended up stop changing the menu. There is no longer a menu del día
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, because there just weren't enough people who wanted to sit down and have a okay. preset yeah, okay. five course meal there is a great new thing called Nuestros Manos mm-hmm. our hands where you come in with your friends and you sit down and you talk to them about what they feel like cooking and it's a combination of menu dishes and stuff that the kitchen's just going to make for you wow. so they do that um, they have a guest pincho night pinchos are sort of mini tapas mm-hmm. even smaller mm-hmm. and so they have oh, this, that's fun. Yeah, this they nice community it. built up where other people come in and do them yeah like J.J. J. Johnson from the Cecil, great. did sort of soul food pinchos. That's a great
1: know. community spirit. Yeah, to build in. Yeah. So okay, so they did. So they're doing great, and that's already beating the odds. Because isn't it? You know, opening a restaurant within the first year. Isn't it? More likely to fail than it, to succeed?
2: It is more likely to fail. It's funny. Everybody has a number in their head. My mm-hmm. dad always used to say to me, nine out of ten restaurants fail, which I believe is an exaggeration. Okay. Nobody has a real number because yeah. nobody tracks it.
1: Okay.
2: And your restaurant might go out of business, but if you sell the business to somebody else, it doesn't quite track
0: mm, as a
2: failure. The interesting thing in, in this day for this generation of chefs is that I had one veteran of the industry say, you know, Year one, you're one, the, you're the hot new thing. So you're going to get some attention for being the hot new thing. He said, years two through five are the ones that are going to show whether you really have Ouch. done something yeah. right. So it's like they're still holding their breath. Yeah, You still wake up in the morning and think, ooh, we've got this very cool hot dog that's <laughs> Spanish spiced and is a big hit. What can we do with the hot dog, you know, to get mm-hmm. our name out there?
1: Wow. Wow. So. Longevity. You really have to be crazy to go into this business. You do, but in a good way. Yeah. you you have to adapt and change.
2: Yes. And listen to your customers. But, you know, how can you not love people whose goal in life is to make you happy at mealtime? That's kind of how I feel about it. It's why I did the book Mm -hmm. in the end. I just think it's a wonderful thing to want to do. And it's something that's sort of an endangered species at this point Mm. because we're all in such a hurry. Mm
1: -hmm. So
2: I feel even more kindly toward them.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. Beating the odds and uh, yes, go hug a
2: (laughs) restaurant. That's it. Go hug a chef today. Go out to dinner tonight.
1: Well, thank you so much for sharing this journey. Oh, and uh, you know, what else are you working on these days? What's your next getting over project? this? I don't okay. know, <laughs> um, karmically I, cleansing yeah. from the stress. Or...
2: No, the truth is, I miss it. Um, mm-hmm. I write about food for the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. I have a piece coming out in the Times. I mean, I like to write. I know we're all supposed to hate writing, but I uh-huh. and the process is not always easy. But I love doing it. Yeah. So I'm trying to think about what the next book will be, yeah you know, whether it will be a food book or something else. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, well, thanks for throwing yourself into this and to make, for our reading enjoyment, where, yeah, you know, in the same way the chef, you know, is risking all and uh, putting in great sacrifice. This sounded like an intense project. So. It
2: was, but yeah. a pleasure, really. And thank yes. you.
1: All right. Well, um, everyone, definitely check out Generation Chef, risking it all for a new American dream. It is just definitely, Mario Batali says in the in the front, a warp speed tale. Um, you know, obviously the subject of another warp speed tale, which is Heat by Bill Buford. Right. Um, right. I definitely, uh, anyone who's a fan of that book will definitely love this book, so... Um, thank you so much Karen and uh, uh, check out your hashtag I mean your handle is K stabiner and uh, great well'll see everyone uh, next week on eat your words. have a good one. Thanks again Thanks.